from the top of the charts to the dusty $1 bin and everything in between, it's time for another review on Life to Labyrinth. It's not a problem. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit. My face grooves expensive, <laughs> and there is definitely one tube in every room of the house as well. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. You're you're in a your relationship is what? You you guys are dinkies, dual income, no kids. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's just like a bit. Spend of it all on face cream. Who the fuck cares? That's right. <laughs> yeah. German organic what, magic. <laughs> I do whatever makes you feel powerful. <laughs> yeah. And if that means wearing lipstick and pajamas, go for it. <laughs> Similarly to right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Again, twinsies. <laughs> well, welcome back. I hope back. Welcome to another episode of Life to Labyrinth podcast. My name is Bryn. I'm Steven. I'm Angie. All three of us again here for our first recording, first episode of Angie's birthday month theme of the 1990s. Although I'm not a hundred percent thrilled with my pick, I did at one point consider going because all you said was the '90s. I thought maybe I'd just pick something from the 1890s. <laughs> oh, what a douche! Honestly, move. I, I considered <laughs> it as well when I was looking this week. Stop, you guys are <laughs> all the like medieval remixes. Oh, I was so tempted God. to pick one. <laughs> We're so grateful that you joined our podcast, Angie, and we want to keep you around, and a little bit of trolling is okay. There's the face cream. Sorry, I just found three of them next to me. I'm sorry. We offended her so deeply, she needs to freshen I up. need to moisturize That's now. Right. You're making me feel uncomfortable. I'm all crusty. So I chose for a kickoff, sort of by accident, sort of by chance, uh, OK Computer by Radiohead, uh, their release from 1997 which is a massively successful album and a very famous album. And I think at one point it was described by the enemy as the most important album ever, which I'm sure time has maybe changed people's opinion of, but yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, this is probably one of my favorite albums, but it's been one that I haven't listened to in a really long time because I generally go for live recordings of Radiohead when I listen to them now. Uh, they're such a good live band that I basically don't pay any attention to their studio albums and I just listen slash watch concerts of theirs on YouTube. How was your week? Your first birthday week with the album that caused you to groan? Yeah, my God, I know. It, I've had a lot of, um, I've had a lot of emotions with this album because I am still, I had this gross thing for most of my life where if I had a friend that really loved a band, I tended to hate it, which is really, I don't, it's mm -hmm. not good. It's not a nice way to be. But I can always, like, whenever Weezer comes on, I have to turn it off. And that was Rochelle's favorite. I'm like, I can't. I hate it. Robert, of course. I'm glad I didn't suggest Weezer then. Yeah, I'm not a that Weezer fan. That was one of the options. Um, That's definitely one of the options. <laughs> so I guess in the back of my head, I kind of still felt like I had a chip on my shoulder about Radiohead being just super massively popular. And I always try and kind of back away from something that everyone claims is the best band of all time and my friend Rob friend of the show he's been on the show this is I'm sure his favorite band and um I did groan and I feel bad about it because this album is really incredible like <laughs> damn I don't know I don't know what I was thinking I definitely when I was younger kind of felt that this band was a little indulgent and perhaps pretentious, but I 100% claim that I put that label on them for no reason. <laughs> like that was my shit okay. for them maybe. But just to sum it all up, I read a quote, <laughs> read a, it really made me understand my feelings. I read a quote that the their first tour with this album was with Alanis Morissette, our girl. And he nice. said it was really, <laughs> he said his favorite memory of the tour was playing a Hammond, playing Hammond organ solos to an audience full of quietly despairing teenage girls. Which I definitely would have fallen into that category and maybe been like, what is this? But I think it's um, really enjoyed listening to it. Like with every other band and 
music I've enjoyed in the past or not, I forget about them. So it's been fun listening to it. I've enjoyed it. Well, that makes me glad because I was like, of the three, like, I think any, I felt like your reaction when I suggested it, like any other album ever, you were just like, ugh, Radiohead. <laughs> and I think maybe that's, that's uh, a sign of the times we're in now where Radiohead shows up on a lot of like overrated bands lists and stuff. It's just sort of like trendy to hate on Radiohead. Yeah, I guess and... I did that for a while, but I was wrong and I, I retract my groan. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Had you not felt that way, I, I still wouldn't have had a bad week myself. Stephen, did you have uh, a TED Talk prepared for us? <laughs> not, no, no TED Talk. <laughs> on Radiohead? Not, not like Edge I mean, I probably could. I've never, I don't know. I have a weird relationship with Radiohead, like past-wise, in that I really like their sound, but it tends to be like, they just have specific songs that I just... I love because I think they're like creep. I stand by being one of the greatest, like almost like alt rock songs. Which is funny because they hate it. They hate that song. Right. I know, but it's so good. It's so so good. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. And like, okay. Computer is an album of that. So better or worse, there's really no getting around the fact that I might not agree. It's one of the greatest albums of all time. Certainly not this many years into the future but it's certainly incredible it's an artistic expressive masterpiece and yeah listening to it now it's just as good i just personally think there are better artists out there and that's just a that's a personal taste thing because radiohead tends to run too too slow for me almost like i get that's kind of the whole thing the like moroseness and the like melancholy of it which is really good Mm -hmm. and it works but i just i can't listen to that shit all the time i like most of my music fast or punchy um as for skill though and like thematics and like it's just it's good <laughs> like literally just kind of tongue-tied on that it's it truly is a spectacular album and i don't know if i'd say it's overrated but it certainly deserves the love it gets yeah it's it's radio has one of those interesting oh, i've lost the word but they're they're an interesting sort of enigma that's what i was looking for uh in the rock and music industry and that these guys have been together since 1985 apparently and it's still all the same original members they've had no lineup changes wow Wow, that's crazy in like 30 some years (laughs) 36 years i just think it's interesting when we compare bands to other bands like what the fuck do you compare radiohead to i don't think there was (laughs) anything like them before i can't think of anything i would compare them to now even with the transition of their sound over the years, their sound is like, it's like, I guess in the same vein, it's like Tool. You don't may not know any of the songs, but across the room, you know it's fucking Tool. There's no question about mm. it. So I find Radiohead just has a very unique sound that I can't, I find it hard to compare to other bands, which I think gives that that crazy, successful staying power that they've had there's just nothing there's nothing like them yeah for sure like i think that goes a long way towards their longevity because yeah right we always try to do some sort of comparison and really the only thing i could think of was like like alt j came to mind in that same incredibly unique like fusion of electronica and 18 other different things to create a sound that's just them because like you said, right, Alt-J is another band that, even though I wasn't the biggest fan, the minute a song comes on, I'm going to be able to be like, oh, that's Alt-J for sure. Like, yeah. who else is pr- who's producing music like that? And yeah, I mm-hmm. absolutely agree that, especially, like, OK Computer and the 07 album Into the Rainbow. I'm hoping I got that right. In Rainbows? In Rainbows. Really defined Radiohead with this new, quirky completely unique sound they were building on which is great because researching this album apparently most of it was played on instruments they didn't fucking know how to use because they finally had money they went out and bought all the fanciest shiniest shit to make this album and then didn't understand how to use a bunch of it (laughs) (laughs) they probably tell you that's where the magic came from I think to compare them it's like they're now one of those bands that get compared to you know, like maybe they were a little bit like the next step from Pink Floyd and that they had all these 
concept albums and they try to take on big themes and stuff and long, interesting songs with lots of different parts. But I think they've just historically they're they're now a band that other newer bands get compared mm-hmm. to. You know, I remember yes. Coldplay got compared to Radiohead for the longest time, or when Tom York would, people would uh, interview him and say like, "Oh, this band's such and such is like you guys, don't you think?" And his response would always be like, "Well, good luck with Kid A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you want to copy us, then feel you know all the best when you have to write the copy Kid A album." So, yeah, no, I Which, agree. Um, I purposely didn't choose because it's Kid A's a hard listen. <laughs> but. I don't know, right? Hard, but some like incredible. Like it's Kid A is one of those albums to me that yeah, you're right. It's really hard, especially to sit down and listen start to end. But Kid A's got some just incredible tracks on it, and I don't know. I like I really like how you put it. Like they're the band that gets compared to because I never thought of it that way. But it's something I do in like with my music with like the Ramones. To me, the Ramones don't sound like anyone else. Everyone else sounds, in part, like the Ramones. Mm-hmm. And it's a weird, probably unnecessary distinction we make sometimes. But I think it's a really interesting way to look at it. I do look forward to in a Ramones episode where we can finally discuss them. So I'll keep oh, my God. thoughts on the Ramones to myself at this point. That'll be a TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you my... I think for... Oh, go ahead. No, 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 I had nothing to say. Oh, stop. You have lots to say, dear. I just was going to get my Radiohead story. Is there any of it's worth hearing? I don't know. I just wanted to get my Radiohead story out of the way before I forgot. Let's do it. Rochelle and I bought tickets to go see uh, Radiohead and Sia in New York City. We had never been to New York City. We got on a Greyhound bus the day after the guy uh, was arrested for killing someone on a Greyhound bus and eating their brains. Naturally. Naturally, the next day we jumped on a Greyhound bus for like 10 hours and went to New York City. And um, the day before the concert, I had a, I don't know, I had a stroke, I guess. But I felt really hideous going to see Radiohead when my friend Rob, like his favorite band in the world was Radiohead. So maybe it was two days before the concert. But anyways, we called him. I told him I would give him my ticket we paid I I think we paid for his travel down (laughs) and him so long ago Rob was probably still working at a restaurant yeah we probably we all had hysterical jobs I'm sure I'm sure I also worked in a restaurant Rochelle was probably a nurse she probably had a real job for sure although I'm telling you (laughs) restaurant money is fucking sweet Oh yeah. Um, no disrespect. No disrespect. Yeah, no. Those tips are magic. I'm sure they make more than I do now. Anyways, Rob came down. Him and Rochelle went to the concert. I went out and got drunk by myself in New York City, as you do. I got in a fight with some guy at a bar, which I, to this day, I'm pretty sure I was wrong. It was about Arcade Fire and Alexis on Fire, and I'm 100% sure I was wrong about what I was trying to say. And then just at the point of no return, I was walking back to the hotel and I met a psychic in an alley and I went and got a psychic reading in her apartment while I was completely tanked in New York City by myself. So I have never seen Radiohead live, which is insane because I've been to a million concerts in the 90s, but I missed Radiohead, even though I did have tickets for it at one point. End of story. Thanks for listening. (laughs) I remember when you guys went. I remember when you guys did that because I was green with jealous rage that you guys were going to see Radiohead in New York. What a crazy thing for us to do. Buy tickets in New York City. Like, we're cool. We're cool cats. (laughs) I think it was just one of those things where it's like Radiohead tours North America so infrequently. It's like if if they're within a reasonable travel distance and you want to see them, like you got to do it. They're not going to probably come to your city. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't think of another time that Radiohead's been closer to me than when they were in New York. I think I was still in Ontario at the time. Yeah, I don't recall them being in Canada much, but I will tell you I was more bummed about missing Sia, but that's just me being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'd be bummed about missing Sia now. If she was, if it was zero seven in Radiohead, I don't know if I would have forgiven you for missing that concert, no matter how much we love Rob. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, I think if it was zero seven, I wouldn't have. I don't know how long Sia was with zero seven. It was sort of around two thousand one, two thousand two, I think. I don't know how much longer she stayed with them, but we'll discuss that on a zero seven episode. Well, I cannot wait. 
I considered suggesting 07 for this episode, but I thought it might be a little too slow for Steven. Steven <laughs> would nap through it for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Because <laughs> we we'll talked about 07 when... before. And I was like, oh, I'll go give it a shot. I don't even know what I listened to. It was like two different songs. I was just like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm done. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll do 07 on a week when Steven needs to take the summer holidays or something He's five. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're doing every two weeks we could do bonus episodes and we could do stuff like that yeah. just be like we're well aware of the fact that one of us is going to not have any interest in this so just the two of us will do <laughs> one that. person didn't listen to this we know uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> i will tell you like all other great bands in the 90s i did have to step away from radiohead like a lot of them because they were so overplayed you know, like, you have to take a, a break. I used to love the Foo Fighters. I have saw them live several times. I met them. I can't stand them now. I can't stand them. If they come on, I have to turn it off. They're overplayed, and I now think all their music sounds the same, except for, like, their first maybe two albums. But it's, this Radiohead fell into that vein for me where I was like, I loved Karma Police when I first heard it, and then 800 times later, I was like, you know what? We're taking a break. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something we we overlook a lot too, is that listening to music in the 90s, as insane as it seems, even it's only like 30 years, was a fundamentally different experience than it is now because I get most of my music from like YouTube and Spotify. So I don't ever overplay anything because I know when it's getting too much and I just find something new. Yeah, you're curating your own music, yeah. Yeah, exactly. When you were stuck with whatever was on that CD and whatever, like CDs or cassettes or... Radio, radio, radio. Or radio, yeah, obviously, right? Like, and radio. Like, even when we're driving, like, the previous vehicle before the van we've got now didn't have a Bluetooth connection or an auxiliary port. So we had to go back to listening to just radio anytime we were driving. And, oh my God, <laughs> it was... it was such a minor thing, but every single time I would get in that car, it would enrage me that I couldn't pick my own music. Because yeah, I just got sick of listening. No matter how much you switch the stations, each station's only playing a rotation of 20 to 30 songs. And I get it, that's how radio works, it's how it's supposed to work. That's fucking boring now. I don't want that shit in my life no more. It's, Let me listen to all the weird, crazy shit I want whenever I want. It's true. After you were able to make like your own 500 song playlist, the radio's rough. Yeah. We we road tripped down to Toronto recently, and every time we got into the car, my partner was like, "Is this is this that fucking Kings of Leon song again? I swear to God, I've never <laughs> heard it before this weekend, and now I've heard it seven times." It's, it's once, yeah, once you kind of have your playlist of never ending songs, the radio can be tough. But I would say back then I was all radio with a bit of CD cassette. So yeah, you really were just listening to songs on repeat. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I did find Radiohead for sure got lost. Radiohead did get a ton of play. Airplay. Which I mean, good for them, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I think it's kind of funny too in hindsight because that's, Part of the core concept of this album is the album sounds on surface really critical of technology and technological advancements, but it's actually from a perspective of the isolation that technology is creating. And I personally don't subscribe to that. I think especially now the internet and technology has allowed us to interconnect and reach parts of the globe we never would have considered before. I think for the bad it does, it also creates a shit ton of good and really helps people expand and evolve and just learn, which is, as humans, the best thing we can do is just continue to learn. And it's just, it's almost kind of funny to visit an album from the 90s and try to like reflect on that, almost like techno fear that was so prevalent for 10, 15 straight years. It's like the internet started taking off and then home computers weren't the size of walls anymore. <laughs> like you, you could fit a desktop on your desk. You didn't need a fucking minivan to haul it around. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, if you want to take the monitor with you, you probably did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also, if I memory love serves. If nothing else, I absolutely love that the name of this album is taken from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy which I think is an incredibly important read that everybody needs to experience at least once in their life. And it's actually taken from almost like the symbolic exact sentence where in the book, humans start to 
regain control over the machines that have been controlling everything. Mm-hmm. So if nothing else, Radiohead has always blown me away with their commitment, not only to theme, but to reinforcing the importance of that idea through little details on their album, like naming it OK Computer. See, it's funny. I always I knew about the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy thing, but for me, because I'm such a Star Trek nerd, I always thought of when Jordy LaForge would have episodes where he was trying to figure out a problem with the computer, he would always say, OK, computer. Mm. He'd be like leaned over a console and be like, OK, computer. <laughs> and then the and computer me. would like blink on. <laughs> yeah, he's like, let's get through this. Let's go through it again. And so as much as it's like, yeah, Hitchhiker's Guide for the ga- to the Galaxy, hooray. For me, a Star Trek nerd, <laughs> all I heard, all I think of every time I hear the name of this album is Jordy LaForge. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. I know nothing about Star Trek. Well, all I know well, is you're that, the one. I thought yeah, right, I'm the one. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's it's a point in the book where the the ship's getting attacked by missiles, and they're like, "Okay, missiles, intercept the or okay, computer, intercept missiles," and it's like, "I'm sorry, I'm unable to complete that task." So the the ship captain does. He just groans. He goes, "Okay, computer, I want full control now." <laughs> and it, it's like, I, I love Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, it's like almost like a mini bible for me. And yeah, it's it's a really cool, extremely important point in the book. So it's always stood out to me. And if nothing else, I'll love the album for that cheesy one-off little reference. <laughs> <laughs> So we've talked a little bit about how overplayed some of these songs were. What did you guys think of the stuff that is sort of the middle sections of the album? Stuff like Subterranean Homesick, Alien, one of my favorite songs of all time, Exit Music for a Film, you know, Electioneering, Climbing the Walls. The songs that like are like deep cuts on the album, per se, you know, it's not No Surprises, it's not Karma Police or stuff like that. Are there any of those that like really stuck out to you that's what freaked me out about the whole album is there it was full of bangers like i didn't skip anything <laughs> except for the digital shit one where it's just the computer yeah happier. sure yeah okay yeah fitter happier but they're really <laughs> good like those songs are the there's no filler it's all killer that's and and yes i've obviously listened to this album more in the past than i remembered because i knew all the songs like fairly well so yeah. man like that's a pretty solid album in my opinion yeah i think there's really only one misstep for my own taste and that's airbag the opening track even when i bought the album and love fell in love with it you know 20 years ago i've i probably only listened to airbag maybe six times in my life and i've listened to the rest of the album a bazillion times i've listened to fitter happier more than i listened to airbag Mm. yeah see i was gonna say like i think those songs are where the album really shines um Especially for me, because like I said, I, I I really like Radiohead, but I've never really given them the deep dive they probably deserve. Um, so I knew a couple of them, like Exit Music for a Film, I agree. So an absolute good. fucking banger. So good. Um, I've loved that song forever. But like Fitter Happier, I don't know if I'd ever heard before listening or even like Electioneering. And I think some of those tracks is where not only where this album shines, but I think Fitter Happier in particular is a great example of why this album is considered so impactful and so influential is because right okay computer is where Radiohead started making a really radical shift off of kind of the tried and true almost rock formula um, where they started experimenting a bit more with electronica and well it's a very ambient album like some of it for sure you could leave on in the background but I find a lot of times like Fitter Happier obviously jumps out because it's so electronic and heavy there's parts where that ambience would you say it's like... the songbird of the album <laughs> oh my god remember that yeah oh jeez <laughs> everyone used to do that yeah honestly I would and I think it's a good thing and I think Fitter Happier is like the one just crazy experimental track that highlights all of the work and what they were attempting to do and it's you can see it's the beginning of them literally revolutionizing like the industry and the sounds we expected um because yeah they started incorporating this like a nine inch nailsy like industrial electronica feel to it and it's there's parts where it feels really like i want to say jagged where it just really grabs your attention with the discordant sounds and stuff I think it's really incredible. I think, like you mentioned earlier, A Kid is 
truly there. Kid A. Or Kid A, sorry, yeah. Damn it. I wish <clears> I'd I haven't written to down it on my before. fucking notes, too. Kid A is. It's a hard listen because it is almost the epitome of what they were experimenting with here. It was them being like, we're sick of doing the same old shit. Let's finally do something truly and expressively new. And Kid A absolutely yep. is that. There's no there's no denying it. <laughs> is that the album where I probably would have picked up the like overindulgent and a little bit pretentious? Because I don't remember it at all. Kid A is a very yeah. electronic album. If In a lot of ways, if they're going to be compared to the Beatles, it's like their Sgt. Pepper, okay. where they basically just try to throw away everything that they'd used to make an album to this point and just do it the exact opposite. Okay. Yeah, super indulgent. <laughs> There's songs that just have like a shitload of drum tracks on them and it's, it's a lot of electronic music. I think OK Computer is probably the entry point for someone who's never listened to Radiohead before because mm -hmm. if you go yeah. back, you're going to hear some songs that you might have heard but the albums aren't quite as strong as a, as a listening experience. And moving forward, the one right after this was Kid A and then Amnesiac and Hail to the Thief and all of that stuff in, in Rainbows and moving on and stuff stuff that's a lot more modern and maybe isn't thought of as fondly kid a is is them saying like we've made three albums to this point with like guitars and this and that and now we're just gonna throw all that away and see what we can do yeah Damn, i really want to listen would to it be now. like a really good entry point for radio that's like that's a really good kind of point to make it's almost like this same mentality i used when picking the stevie wonder album was that like this was a turning point in their career and whether it was the strongest collection of work or they went on to do better things this is where it started and you can really feel the love and the like the talent that went into producing these and that's compounded insanely by the fact that like angie said most of it was like recorded live and they most of these songs they essentially played for the first time fucking touring with alanis morissette it's insane that such an incredible piece of work could come about by seemingly like inconsistent or unreliable standards and recording systems. I love it. And yeah, I think personally like Lucky, Electioneering and Exit Film are probably the strongest tracks for me, but there's not a single one I don't. Like Angie said, there's not a single track, honestly, I would skip on this. Subtraining Homesick Aliens, really good. Paranoid Androids, yeah. phenomenal. <laughs> like, and Exit Music was um, used in Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, which is also like oh. a piece of 90s art that blew my fucking mind. Like, that was my first <laughs> Baz Luhrmann film, and I was like, oh my god, people can do things like this? Go on. <laughs> Exit Music for a film, to me, I kept thinking of... Um, and Stephen, you may not get this reference because I know you're not a big Beatles fan, but it feels very much like sort of this emotional successor to she's leaving home okay yeah no idea <laughs> <laughs> it's a song on sergeant pepper that's like basically about a rich girl that ran away from her wealthy life because it was so empty and stuff i don't know the whole story but it's like you know it's basically the song is like she wakes up and she like packs her shit and she leaves with while her parents are sleeping and stuff and i feel like exit music for a film is very much sort of the emotional successor or it's sort of like it's like the same story from a different viewpoint interesting. and where really I interesting. don't particularly, I don't particularly care for the Sgt. Pepper song or that album in general, unpopular opinion. <laughs> <laughs> like, as I mentioned, exit music for a film is probably one of my favorite songs, bar none, any, any album, any artist, any genre, exit music for a film. I'll always turn it up and Damn. listen to the whole thing all the way through. That's a hell of a review. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good. I'm not, I don't fault you for it, for sure. I don't know. Like, I have a, such a hard time with the concept of, like, favorites. Like, my 10-year-old John asks all the time, like, what's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? I feel bad because, like, it's always like, what's your favorite game? And I'm like, dude, I can't, I can't boil down 20 years of experience playing video games to a singular favorite. Give me a genre. It'd be, like, movies or music. I can't. I can't say Exit Music is the best song I've ever heard because in an hour, I'm going to hear an old Ramones song I forgot about, and that's going to suddenly be the greatest thing I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> um, and this I, just... I, look at it, I look at it this way, if I can interrupt for a second, because I thought about this a lot, not necessarily this week, but at one point I tried to like narrow down what my favorite song was ever, and I basically came to the conclusion that if I have the same emotional experience every single time I listen to it, regardless of how many times I've heard it, then that's my favorite song. And I 
figured it out. I figured out what my absolute favorite song is, and it's probably a hilarious answer. Fine, you got to Well, I need to know immediately. Oh, it's... <laughs> yeah, right, come on, you can't do this. <laughs> okay, I know it by the name Binary Sunset, but it's essentially the Force theme from Star Wars. Sure, And it's okay. the way it's played in Episode 4 when Luke's looking out over the sons of Tatooine, and, you know, it's the first time you hear it ever in the cin like cinematic history. I know it's episode four, but everything came after that in the Star Wars universe. Right. First time we hear that song. I've already blocked out, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that's my favorite song. And I recognize that it's hilarious and it really calls me out as a nerd. In one episode now, I've talked about Star Trek and Star Wars. <laughs> nerd alert? No. The nerd alert. <laughs> <laughs> As a jock, Marge, <laughs> it's my job to call out nerds. No, anyway, um, so that's that's how I figure that's how I figure out favorites, Stephen. Like, you know, if it's if it's the same, if I had the same emotional response, regardless of its anger or happiness or joy or whatever, then it's got to be either something I hate a lot. And can put it on a list of things that I dislike the most or things that I are probably among my favorites. And so I always have the same emotional reaction when I hear exit music for a film. So I'm not saying it's my favorite song, but it's absolutely one of the songs that I can say I have the same emotional reaction and enjoyment every time I hear it, no matter how many times I have. No, it's really cool. That's a really cool way to look at it. And thank you for sharing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I get that. I mean, even not liking, honestly, Star Wars or Star Trek all that much. I can't deny that the score uh, Williams and the fucking orchestra put together is some of the most iconic, emotionally moving music, probably like, say, top 10 of all time. And when you combine that with the, the emotional investment and reaction from watching the films, I, mm -hmm. I fully understand why people get so, like, attached. And I'm, fuck that, no judgment, man. Like... I told John the only thing I could probably ever vote on would be my favorite video game of all time is actually Final Fantasy VII for the same reason in that I remember playing it as a kid and it was my first real big like back when video games were several discs and you had to switch them out. Um, yeah, it was my first big like hundred hour investment into a game and it was because the characters and the story just seemed so alive and incredible and original. And those, the way I felt beating and like experiencing that game has never changed. When I reflect on it, when I go back and play it, or, you know, in 2019, the the remake of Final Fantasy VII came out. And yeah, I straight up, like, you've come out as a nerd, I'll come out as a wimp, like full on <laughs> tears, like 10, 15 minutes into that game. When the score started, it was like re-experiencing magic as a eight-year-old all over again. like. It genuinely felt like I was sitting down and playing my first big, incredible, oh my god, this is all shiny and new video game. And it really stunned me to think that 20 years later, a property or a franchise, like for me, video games, for you, music, like movies and music, could still elicit such a, like almost visceral and instinctual reaction out of me. Mm -hmm. But I've never really thought of expanding that beyond that game because that's the one thing that truly really sticks out for me but it's it'd be an interesting idea to go through and try to evaluate music and even art or films that way and kind of see what sticks out to me or what I've maybe forgotten how much I liked so much yeah that's cool I'm trying to think of how we can make that into an episode like our top but that could be a bonus episode like our top three songs of all time our top three albums of all time or something it sounds very high fidelity yeah, sure. and I'm interested because I fucking love that movie and that would be in my top five <laughs> for top five movies yeah. awesome it'd be cool to do a bonus yeah. episode like that let's 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 take that offline because I have a bonus episode uh suggestion as well for this week Right, we'll get to it at the end. Okay. And we also, I really think we need to do the soundtrack one. Anyways, I know we're not talking, not the time. We'll have a but meeting after. And I do really like the idea of the soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a, there'll be a band meeting. I, I feel like I kind of understand what you say about like knowing what your favorite song is of all time. Sorry, I have like this song blasting in my head. Is it at least a good song? It's, uh, it's exit music for a film. 
but I turned it way up because it starts off really quiet. And now I'm like, ah! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the end, by the end, that's a rough the ride. Film you don't exiting. have the volume control the handy. The film is exit. Anyways. Um, it's swelling to get you out of the theater because I got to clean up the popcorn. I think there are a couple songs that but once again, like I know I've listened to them 300 times and they have conjured so much excitement over the years for me. And then sometimes at a certain point, I'm like, I don't need to listen to that as much anymore. And I don't enjoy it as much. But there are some songs like I can't get through Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah without crying because I always have said I'm going to like, I want to sing it at my dad's funeral. We played a lot of, I know this is really fucking morbid, but at my uncle's funeral, we played a lot of Leonard Cohen and I was like, I just so badly want to sing it. And I can't, I can't get halfway through that song without sobbing. That song is so hmm. beautiful. And then I'm, I'm also immediately thinking Aretha Franklin, cause I've listened to Respect probably 500 times in my life. Like it's just, that song is just like, it takes me home. Like that's my childhood. That's what I listen to all the time. But anyways, I don't know why I'm talking about it, but it's very interesting that you say that. And I feel like I'll be thinking about that a lot this week, but those two songs just like popped up immediately where I was like, I could never think what song is my favorite. And then I was like these two, right? Just what I could think of right now. <laughs> it's funny. I found, yeah, when I actually sort of sat down and started thinking of it, it was actually really easy <laughs> to come to a conclusion. <laughs> You know, on the surface, it's like, oh, I could never pick. Yeah. You know, it's like, which is your favorite kid? I could never pick. This one. <laughs> <laughs> Some parents, definitely. And there was a whole Crown episode about how every parent that's honest has a favorite child. Mm, they just don't right, lie about that's it. That's right. <laughs> but for me, like songs or movies or any of that, it's it's absolutely just an emotional response. Because I, if, if I've heard a song 10 times and I don't, by the 10th time, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm not excited about it anymore. Or I'm not sad when I hear it anymore. Like I'm, I'm over the emotional experience that like put me there. Then it's not a favorite. Yeah. That's so cool. And yeah, like Angie said, honestly, that's like a weird little bit of, I don't know, like philosophical thinking that's going to stick with me now. Like I can just feel it. <laughs> I'm going to go cry to Leonard Cohen. Okay. Well, as long as we all have plans for our evening. <laughs> we all have something to shed a tear to. We, we always got something. We got. I'm going to probably go and watch um, some of that Netflix show. Uh, oh, God. My brain is so dead. I've been getting up at five in the morning the last few days, and I'm not used to it. Acted out. How many words? <laughs> it, <laughs> it's that show on Netflix that they just released with like the people who are on a plane that disappeared for five years and oh, they didn't yeah. realize. I, I can't remember the name of it either, but I Manifest. Seen That's it. It's called oh, Manifest. I, I started <laughs> I, I started watching it a few days ago and it's fairly compelling. I hope it, it continues to be, but uh hopefully it doesn't turn out to be like heroes where it's really good for like two seasons and then it's like what happened? That's interesting. Well, keep me posted. <laughs> yeah, I'm rewatching stuff again you know. because I feel like I've run out of good stuff. I'm rewatching Wild Wild Country, the documentary about the Osho's like commune. Anyways, <laughs> okay. it's really fucking good. It's about a big ashram in India and they decide to come to the States and they buy up this giant ranch and try and make like a like a spiritual commune. It's it's fucking wild. It is wild wild. That yeah, sounds, sounds like a hell of a trip. I, I found I found this show because I realized that all I've done for months and maybe a year now is just rewatch yeah. stuff. And I was like, I've rewatched Band of Brothers for like the fifteenth time and the Pacific for maybe the fourth time. And I was like, maybe I should try something new. <laughs> and this, I just I just turned on Netflix to be like to be like, take me away, I guess. What have you got for me? Even if I'm just gonna surf the guide for the next hour. Um, and then this like manifest thing just autoplay because it was like among top 10 in Canada. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll throw that on. It's good. Yeah, I just, I've good. discovered probably more new media in the last, say, five, six months than I have in a decade because, yeah, I started running out of all of my classics and being like, wow, I'm really sick of this shit now and just needing to find something to fill that time with. So that's why I've been like, man, I've watched like two dozen animes. I've watched pretty much every netflix original at this point some good some very bad <laughs> mm. and yeah manifest keeps is keeps popping up and i'm like that's probably something i dig but i think that's gonna be a like me and daniel watch together show so i can't yep. start it because i will not be able to stop myself from binging the whole thing <laughs> yeah. if i like okay. it okay 
Okay, well, I'm I'm giving you my vote of confidence. It is good. Uh, though we've been discussing now finding new mediums, let's maybe wind the dial back again to 1997. Grade seven. Yeah. We were in grade seven. Grade seven in 1997. I don't even remember who my teachers were. I'd have to... I remember who mine were. Is this the wrong time for me to chime in that I would have been starting kindergarten? Yeah, fuck you. (laughs) You missed out on the opening of this album. (laughs) Yeah, we were 13 when this album came out, I guess. Also, one of those albums we probably got into, like, five years later. Like, I wasn't listening to Radiohead in grade seven. I wasn't that cool. I was not cool at all, actually. I can uh, confirm that. (laughs) I started, I wasn't really even aware of Radiohead no. until high school. Yeah. I remember, you may remember Patrick Egan. I remember he used sure, to listen to yeah, Radiohead. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I am not weird enough to listen to Radiohead if it's one of Patrick Egan's. Because he used to listen to like, uh, I cannot think tonight. Oh my god, I wonder if he's still alive. <laughs> Frank Zappa. I used oh to, my god, my oh dad god. loves Frank Zappa. Pat Egan used to listen to a lot of Frank Zappa and I was just like, wow. Um, I last saw Patrick Egan from <laughs> Rochelle's bedroom window yes, at the when Metro. she lived in that apartment down. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he used to, I think he used to work at the grocery yep. store near where she That's lived. That's true. That is the last time I saw any hide or hair of him, and that was fucking years yeah. ago. I mean, I've been in Edmonton for 12 years, and that was years before I moved here. I have never listened to a Frank Zappa album, but my dad genuinely quotes Frank Zappa daily, which is hysterical. It's right up my dad's alley. I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit. I'm going to listen. I'll probably have a stroke. I've watched a lot of Frank Zappa interviews. I've seen the occasional like live performance of his. But yeah, I don't think I'm open-minded enough to enjoy <laughs> Frank Zappa on record. <laughs> but uh, I also don't like drugs very much, so maybe that's part of the Yeah, problem. that might be part of the problem. Yeah, for sure. Which is, I, I really want to be someone that's like cool and enjoys getting high. All the anytime I've ever gotten high, I just like get bored of it, and then I start getting frustrated because I just kind of want control of my body and my thoughts back. Yeah, I feel like my dad was doing a lot of acid when he was listening to it, so we're definitely not cool <laughs> enough for that. We are that. not cool enough. Your dad strikes me as somebody who did a lot of acid back in the day and came up with yo-yo tricks. Yes. <laughs> Where we're like, this so weed is too moves. strong for me. <laughs> So anyways, since we were going back to Radiohead, I guess there's just one last thing I was going to point out. And that, if nothing else, I think Radiohead as a band and as people have made incredible impacts on the music industry and on the world. And I think a really good example of that and something I've always remembered them for is when they released In Rainbows um, in 07, they dropped it as a surprise, literally no warning. They just dropped it on their website. And they made it pay yep. what you want. And I they don't know the if they internet. were the first to... Yeah, I don't remember if they were the first to do that. But I remember it being they a were. big fucking deal. And yeah, it, people went fucking mental. And it'll always stick with me. And I always always thought it's an incredibly cool... What what a power move. But also, I think it's, it's also an incredible like accessibility and almost like progressive idea in that you're going to have people who love you who are willing to pay exorbitant amounts of money and that allows people who equally love you but don't have that financial access to also appreciate and learn and consume that art and me personally i think that's that's such an important thing as far as any form of art goes um like music included is that art's designed to be shared and arts i think the biggest most important thing art accomplishes is it inspires more creativity so i think giving the ability to get that access to everyone an incredible move totally in line with york's like political views he's super left super progressive um but yeah it's just always been like a fun little trivia bite about radiohead that i have i really really respect and god what a move it's just so cool (laughs) like Because at the time, it was inconceivable, right? Like, it never would have seemed like something that anybody would do for anything, let alone to have Radiohead of all people just be like, yo, surprise, here's some new music. Take it for free if you want. Like, And now no one would give a shit because it was all on Spotify within 10 seconds anyways. <laughs> yeah, Napster in those days. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, York's got some feelings about Spotify. <laughs> yeah. I'm... Just to read the blurb from Wikipedia, because I think it's worth it. Radiohead's seventh album, In Rainbows, was released through the band's website on October 2007 as a download for any amount users wanted, including zero pounds. The landmark pay-as-you-want release, the first for a major act, made headlines worldwide and sparked debate for the implications of the music industry. According to Mojo, the release was hailed as a revolution in the way that major bands sell their music, and the media reaction was almost overwhelmingly positive. Time called it easily the most important release in the, his in the recent history of the music business. However, it drew criticism from such acts as Lily Allen and Kim Gordon, who felt it undercut less successful acts. Yeah, I, I, I for sure think, like... It's a really, it was a really cool, uh, I'm trying to think of the It was word, the first like, major response to the whole, like, Napster, what are we going to do? Because, like, Metallica yeah. sued Napster. But they Radiohead was a band that was every bit as famous and successful as Metallica, likely, at that point. And they were the first big hit back to be like, where everybody's like, what are we going to do? And they were like, just pay what you want. Most people are more than happy to pay what they feel something's worth. Mm -hmm. The fact that people are stealing music speaks more to the fact that CDs have been $20 for forever when there's no reason to justify that other than greed. So it's like, fine. And and I think, you know, and I'm sure there was lots of people who downloaded it for nothing, but I'm sure they made a lot of money on it just out of people's, you know, honor system. And it's like, you don't have to steal it. You can have it. What do you think it's worth? I, as somebody that's torrented a lot of things and stolen a lot of music or art or whatever is, I think we've talked about it on the podcast before, it's not necessarily in some cases, especially in the modern day where I have access to income. It's not because I have any desire to steal it. It's because I can't find it in a way that's not theft. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And I think like there was obviously going to be criticisms for the move they made and there were plenty of people who supported them as well. And I, Obviously, it isn't like a silver bullet fixes everything solution, but it was a really cool first step. And I think it started a really important conversation. And like you mentioned, like Napster and stuff, right? This was right around when Napster, LimeWire, all of that, the like when torrenting really took off and we were facing this like, what's the music industry going to do? How are they going to recover? Is it going to like, I mean, people panicked. It wasn't ever going to bankroll billion dollar corporations, but people thought it was. And I think they took big steps in changing the discourse around that into more productive conversation even doing like other bands i know have like used them as an example when they've discussed thinking about doing like a limited time like if you want to buy the deluxe set you pay us for it but then you know three months later we're going to drop everything for free and i, I haven't seen anybody follow through with that yet but i think it's fair to say radio had to completely change the way some people in the industry approach the concept of music and payment and torrenting and downloading. Yeah, I don't know. I just also think that's a pretty big wicked fuck you to recording companies and overly inflated, like I said, billionaire, like multi-millionaire, like contract hoarding companies. But at the same time, they yeah. were totally the band that had the privilege to do it. Yeah, They absolutely. were fucking loaded. Like they weren't going to be like, oh, the, we're a new aspire, whatever. It's like they had a <laughs> sweet cushion where it wasn't going to affect them crazy. Like they had a great yeah, position exactly. to do this. So it's cool that they had like a response and this was the response, but I mean, they were only a, a handful of bands that could do something so drastic that could have them potentially lose money and they could continue on. Like they had a cushion. Oh yeah, by In Rainbows, they were, they were fucking living easy. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. And yeah, and I agree, like that's important too. But I, I think that's that's kind of how it should work, right? Is it should be, it should be the biggest bands who can afford to release some content for free who are doing that. And then allowing people like, right? So not so much these days, as you know, we've learned how to manage money and stuff better. But like, say 10 years ago, if I walked into a store with $20, I was getting a single album. So I could have bought a cool, potentially interesting new indie album or bought the album I knew I would love. And yeah. in the context of that, right, if I had been able to go online and be like, oh shit, Radiohead's new album's free, that allows me to give that $20 to someone like, say, Bug Hunter, as an example, <laughs> who couldn't in any goddamn way possibly <laughs> afford to pull a stunt like that. Yeah. And I, I just think it's it's just an important conversation that the music industry should be having. And I think it's cool that 13, 14 years ago, Radiohead was already taking these big fucking leaps to just be like, nah, this is what we want to do. We want to try it. We're going to do it because we can. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. We have the privilege and the support and the money to be able to just 
try a crazy ass experiment like this. Yeah. Very interesting time for the music industry, definitely. When you think Metallica sued Napster in 2000, the iTunes Music Store opened in 2003, which was another major game changer in the music industry. And Radiohead did this in 2004. So like those, that first five years of the aughts was insane for the music industry. And if you want to learn more about it, see our, I, I want to say friend, he's not a friend of the show. He's, he's my just friend, Angie we and I think once. of him as a friend. We think of him as a friend. Um, check out The Ongoing History of New Music by Alan Cross, which we often reference. He's got a whole, he's got entire episodes on Napster and the history of the CD and why it costs what it did and why it was so expensive for so long. And um, he's got, you want if you want history on any of that, check out Alan Cross. <laughs> get his podcast wherever you get your podcast, or he's probably still on the radio. He is. He is. Tell I, him we sent you. That's actually the first place I heard heard his uh, ongoing history yeah. was on sonic radio here in edmonton and then immediately was like oh i need to listen to every episode of this that's ever existed <laughs> it's phenomenal it's phenomenal yeah uh if you like our show as we've said before if you like our show but you're looking for something a little bit more Knowledge music history based. a little bit better researched <laughs> yeah <laughs> like we listen to stuff and sort of talk about how we feel about it and we give you a little bit of history on the artist and the album unless we forget to which we've done sometimes <laughs> so we just talk about bullshit for an hour but if you like, if you're interested in music history and you're interested in hearing potentially new, a different place to find new music and stuff, and you like our show, please go listen to Alan Cross. He's phenomenal. We all love him. He's a Canadian treasure. And tell him we sent you because if he could gain knowledge of our show, we'd all be very glad. Oh my God, I'd melt. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard from Shelby Mary on two occasions, but Alan, Alan Cross is probably more than anything an inspiration for us to do this show and continue mm. to do this show and try and make it the best show we can with our limited ability and time and like actual musical knowledge and not just like <laughs> talking about how we feel about things and then <laughs> drifting off into you know movies and with TV our shows. incredibly insightful one hour of research we do right before the episode starts what yeah we pop up the uh, wikipedia page for the artist when we're <laughs> just as before we sign on FYI, my research entails the band and the words fun facts afterwards. <laughs> so you go to Wikipedia and I go, Radiohead, fun facts. Truly the epitome That's of good, how though. we do the best research. <laughs> you want to know, learn more about Radiohead, Alan Cross absolutely has a bunch of Radiohead episodes. Oh, so I wish I You don't need to get history first. from us. <laughs> Those... We're we're here to talk about how we're here to review albums and talk about them, hopefully in a good light. Even if there's things about them we don't like, we're not just like a newspaper re review that just wants to find faults and everything. But if yeah, if you're interested in music history and you're interested in Radiohead or any other band, probably and even some pretty obscure shit, Alan Cross, and I'll I'll stop the love fest now. Our episodes <laughs> running pretty long here, so do we have any final thoughts about Radiohead, or have we kind of said all we need to say? I mean, I think I said what I need to say. <laughs> I've spent all of the, my time talking today raving about how much I like their music and idolize them as people. So I don't really think there's much more I can, which I guess I should Anything say. Anything more about I this know, album? I don't know too much about the other band members, I should say. I know York's a couple got, of brothers. Some, got some like pretty out there views, but as far as I know, he's a Green Party supporter. So just party on. Tom York's an, <laughs> Tom York's an interesting guy when, you know, he, he sort of falls into that sort of Kurt Cobain, grungy, disinterested and depressed act that was very famous and popular when Radiohead was just coming out in the early 90s. But when you see him interviewed now or you see him on stage, he seems like he's really at peace with a lot of things in his life. He seems like a really sort of happy and jovial person. He sort of fools around and plays with the audience a lot. When they do play Creep occasionally, he normally makes faces at the audience and <laughs> acknowledges that they weren't expecting it. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess my final thought would be this is a great album. It's a very famous album. It's one if you're on a journey to listen to great albums and, you know, it's like a book that, you know, you must read these books before you die. This would be one of the albums that you probably should listen to before you keel off. It's definitely a bucket list album if you're just trying to hit some of the major ones. Radiohead's a great band, and if you started with this, you'd probably be in a pretty safe place to go either way in their career. Mm -hmm. Give them a shot. Don't, don't let the uh, mainstream media's opinion and turning them into the butt of jokes constantly deter you from them actually being a really great band. Yeah, for sure. Shit, yeah. I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. I had mixed messages about it. I mean, mixed feelings about it, and I'm glad you re-entered it into my life without 
me having that teenager, oh, well, what a giant famous <laughs> band. I'm not going to like it. Anyways, I really enjoyed it. The end. Good pick. I mean, all three awesome. years of high school for me, everything was too mainstream to be cool enough. <laughs> I, I, I held that chip on my shoulder till basically yesterday. So it's... Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, um, didn't you say before, we haven't really ever talked about it, but that you have a blog, Ange? I do. I haven't written at all this year because I write about things that are funny and my life has just been watching Netflix and drinking. Okay, fair enough. I was going <laughs> to say, like, before we sign off, why don't, like, use that time to fucking self-promote? <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I don't. can't think of the last thing I, uh... But yeah, fair enough. <laughs> But when I write something this out great, I will. It's gracenick8.com. Anyways, go ahead. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We'll, really we'll like... link it in the. We'll link it in the podcast description. Oh my God. Yeah, okay, I just cool. figure, like at the end of the episodes, if we've, if any of us have got anything going on, or even like fun little indie projects we're following, why not use the space to promote them? <laughs> when Bryn and I start a band, this is where we will promote it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Now that I'm making some proper money, I can invest in some proper synthesizers. Yes! (laughs) All right, so who's up for choice? Is this Steven's choice? Excuse me? No, it's Angie's choice. Unless you're not picking because it's your... No, it's you. Angie suggested Lily Allen, then I suggested this, and now it's your turn. Man, do I have the episodes backwards in my head? Apparently. Um... (laughs) Do you need need a minute? No, we're good. I already had, like I said, I was struggling with this all week, so I made I have like a list of shit to pick from. I just was fully convinced until right now <laughs> that our <laughs> I'm that not ready. I'm not ready. It was I guess it was the AJR episode I was thinking was before this one, and Lily Allen was before uh, that. Which is no. ridiculous because I literally tweeted from our account today to reboost the numbers for AJR. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I thought of it when we played the kind of pick a door with Britain last week and he's telling us our other choices in honor of it being Angie's you know birthday month and us sticking to truly like iconic 90s albums I think we're gonna have to do Spice from the Spice Girls oh thank god circa 1996 I was torn between Spice and Spice World but honestly Spice is a much more fun album (laughs) because Spice is their debut and it's got all the big ones can I can I make a request that we just do the greatest hits album since we're probably not going to revisit the Spice Girls and I want to listen to Spice Up Your Life and it's not on Spice. <laughs> it can be your bonus track, Spice Plus Spice Up Your Life. I love it. I'm just gonna listen. I mean, how many? Like, don't they have 20 it's songs funny. all together anyways? Like, we can listen to them. Let's listen to listen to the. We can just do those two albums. Yeah, I mean, they're probably honestly really short they're albums. Probably eight yeah, it's minutes, funny because yeah. That's part of why I was torn between Spice and Spice World, because the first track on Spice World is Spice of Your Life. Oh, so good. <laughs> when I when I was Spice Girls, I think, as you'll recall, maybe from the end of the episode last week, or the last one that we posted, was behind one of my doors, and it was the Greatest Hits album. And all week, I regretted not just picking it. Oh. And if you were like, I, I have I have no album, I, I didn't realize it was mine, I was going to be like, guys, let's just do Spice Girls, let's just make it happen. <laughs> and here we are, you've, you've picked it anyway. Yeah, see, whereas I consider the greatest hits, but it's not technically 1990s, and that's a, a ridiculous thing for me to focus on, but I was right away like, that's, that doesn't meet the brief, that's cheating. And also, yeah, yeah. okay, so Spice, oh, wait, best Should of we album. watch the movie? Yes, okay. <laughs> um, I believe I looked Should for we... it once, and I don't think it was, but I can, I will do some research. Let's see if we can track the movie down, because I remember <laughs> my sister watched it. Can we watch it all in, like, a virtual room? <laughs> I don't know how that, that would be works. very cool. Let's let's figure let's take that offline. I'll see what I can find. See Spice. if we can find it on a streaming service. Spice is a 40 minute album and Spice World is a 38 minute album. Oh yeah. I believe yeah, they both, both. Oh, yeah, we can they both have 10 tracks. Okay, I know all the fucking both. songs anyway. I'm down. <laughs> I absolutely made every effort to not know the Spice Girls when they came out and I definitely probably know this dance to stop. I'm excited. <laughs> well, we've probably drag this on as long as we should my bad <laughs> so if you're still here wherever the edit <laughs> happens <laughs> thank you so much for listening we appreciate each and every one of you are we recently broke 2000 downloads for our little dog and pony Woo-hoo! show where we don't talk about 
sex or and we're not particularly interesting people or anything like that we just do this because it's a fun project to have and we make each other laugh and it's just nice to have an excuse to talk to friends every week so thank you so much for listening and find us on social media instagram twitter it's in the outro send us more requests we do have a few requests that we're going to get to and we'll just right now we're just celebrating angie being alive for another year we'll see if i make it figure out what we're doing afterwards we'll see what we're doing afterwards so thanks so much for listening if you're still here and please come again see ya thanks for listening to life to labyrinth podcast theme music by devin rose find devin on bandcamp or any streaming service you can find us on twitter and instagram at life number two labyrinth